This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Merch Table was founded by artists just like you. We've slept on floors, played for everyone and no one, broken up, gotten back together, and taken everything we learned along the way to build a group of people who put creativity first so you can play while we work. Visit MerchTable.com to learn more about our merchandising and online store solutions. I want to remind you guys that this show is sponsored by Rockabilia. Need to stock up on some of your favorite band merch? Go to Rockabilia.com and put some on your wish list. They're the one-stop shop for all your band merch needs. Need to buy a gift for someone and know what bands they're into? Pick up something from Rockabilia. You won't be disappointed with the selection, and you can get 10% off with the code PCJabberJaw. So head on over to rockabilia.com and use the promo code PCJabberJaw and save 10% today. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is I, your host, Petra Speich, and I am always joined by... Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. And Brandon is off. Uh, he recorded his CD this past week, guys, so he's out there putting it together. Make sure you look for it to come out, but you can always find Brandon at your buddy Gooch on Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to talk to me, guys, I am at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, guys, I get to talk to Jordan Rudis of Dream Theater, but we are primarily focused on his new solo record, Wired for Madness, which is coming out April 19th. Don't worry, we definitely talk about Dream Theater's new record, Distance Over Time, which just came out a few months ago, guys. So hang in there for that chat. But as always, before we jump into our interview, we'd love to chat about the Metal Sucks news. Last week, guys, I was irritated by church burning in New Zealand and I kind of showed a little bit of like, ugh, kind of like grossness by it, right? Well, guess what? There's another church burning this week, this time here in the States in Louisiana. And there was three churches. Wait, burning. are you telling me someone in Louisiana did something that was morally repugnant? I, uh, apparently, according to this story, there's much moral repugnance. <laughs> okay, that's not a word. But go <laughs> no, repugnance in sense. No, no. Okay, you can't add sense to things. And how, make do it a you, word. how do you plural repugnant to like twice? Repugnance. Sense. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> So I had to stop and look back and be like, you know what? Last week I kind of like was really against the church burning and be like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Again, I always feel old when I, when I do the show and I get feedback from people saying like, no, dude, you're, you need to move forward. Wait, you were thinking like maybe you were like a guy in the fifties who thought women shouldn't vote. <laughs> no. like I maybe- felt that way about the church burning. <laughs> you think last you're week. on the wrong side of history. <laughs> I thought, I thought maybe like the statement here might be. Not repugnant in sense. Okay. No, okay. you're yeah. not allowed to use that word anymore. I will. I'll stop. <laughs> Three times is the, is the comedy rule. Three times. I did it. That was my third time. Yeah. So I was like, let me, let me look out there and see if there's something for the new generation about, you know, hating God and burning churches. And good God, Jocelyn, I found something. Nobody understands me. Jesus is a stinky hippie. Satan loves me. I need to be a criminal in order to lose my virginity, and God is a racist. Have you said these phrases to yourself and play guitar with little skill but a lot of distortion? Then you may need us. And God is a racist. Sometimes true love needs sacrifice. Like how Jon Snow dies at the series finale of Game of Thrones. Dial 1-800-BURN-GOD. 
Churches suck, and we can teach you how to burn them and get media attention. Here is one of our testimonials. I burned a church in the name of Satan and pooped on the altar. I did it all on Facebook Live, and in 15 years, if I get parole, I can guarantee I will lose my virginity. Jesus is why you are a virgin. It's his fault. And Satan wants you to get head from your hot stepmom when you get out of jail. My stepmom is hot and cheats on my dad with bikers. So I called 1-800-BURN-GOD and I'm totally going to get a piece after 13 years with parole. Thanks, 1-800-BURN-GOD. Get that piece. Dial 1-800-BURN-GOD and help ignite churches and maybe find love or a crazy piece of ass in just 15 years. I can't wait until my front virginity goes away because my back was stolen while I was in prison. Dial 1-800-BURN-GOD. Hail Satan. Yeah. Hail Satan! I mean, you think they would get a toll-free number. You think they'd at least get an 888. Like, you know, they get a 1-800 and they're going to make me pay? <laughs> I know, it should be a collect call number. Yeah. I really like the fact that you said that. <laughs> you know, in hindsight... Probably could have done something different there. I'm just really cheap, and I notice things like that. <laughs> I probably should have www'd it. You, you should have. I shouldn't have one eight hundred it. It's very old fashioned ad. Yeah, it's for church burnings in the '90s. Now I got to tell you guys, I uh, we we are making fun of these dudes, and we're calling them virgins, and we're saying they're do- doing this to do co- be cool. But is there really any other reason? Um, unless the church is full of poisonous spiders, I don't understand why you would need to burn down a whole church. I would, I would burn a church full. Oh, of- if it was full of poisonous spiders, a hundred percent burn it to the ground. But I'd ask. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd make sure there's no one in there. You know, now, maybe, you know, there's a, probably someone's cell phone charger in there or something. <laughs> like, it's really rude. I probably would. <laughs> I'd probably let that charger go. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, let me go save the charger so the spiders don't bite me. <laughs> let me make sure that this person doesn't get stuck in traffic without his phone charged. Well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's no good reason to burn down a church other than it being full of poisonous spiders. I think it's crazy that you went to, instead of a human being being there, you went into technology. Because that's the like replacement for human beings now. Oh my god, do you know how hard it is to find a good phone charger? Dude, I'll tell you right now, I know how hard it is to find a good sh- phone charging cord <laughs> that doesn't shock my fingers exactly. when I try to charge my cord. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. May- maybe that's worth poisonous spiders. I mean, uh, here's my thing with these church burning guys and all these guys that do these public acts of violence and, and arson and all these things is like, man, like just go jerk off. Like stop making your cum about our lives. I know that doesn't make sense, but it made sense in my head. <laughs> like, you know what's crazy is it made sense to me, so I'm questioning things. Don't make your cum a part of my life, dude. Listen, you've spent too much time with me. Now my weird cum jokes make too yeah. much sense to you. Your semen should stay on your side of the That's yard. how I feel. I feel like this is just them making their their like whole, like, I don't know. It just, what about this is cool? Who was like, man, who like called him and was like, bro, you burned down a church? I'll tell you what this, what about this is not cool is that, if you go to CNN.com and all the major shorts, is they go straight to the fact that he's a metal guy, that he was into black metal. Okay, you don't get to just claim that. No, well, he's in a band called the Vodka Vultures, Jocelyn. Okay, well, <laughs> that's what they called me in high school. So, the Vodka Vulture, that was my nickname. <laughs> I can't believe that's the real name. <laughs> it's real bad. I, I want Axel to fact check that yeah, name. Yeah, we, we need there's a fact no check. Because there's no way that guy actually has a band called the, the Vodka, Vodka Vultures. Who opens for them? The Whiskey Toucans? <laughs> Um, I like the whiskey two cans. The they're Irish. Yeah, that, they're definitely they're Irish. definitely Irish. <laughs> they're Irish, but they wear Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> <laughs> 
and play black metal. Somebody. Oh, make this band. Somebody. We saw the Oakley Doakley man that worked out, and those guys got on The Simpsons. Somebody. The Whiskey Toucan. Yeah. So you can do this out there. So, yeah, so the whole scene, in, in essence, when it gets like that bad press, when we're walking around and we're wearing our black metal tees and all that stuff, you think people don't judge, but stories like this make us get you know judged pretty quickly yeah, I mean, and, I, and, it's, it's I, and that's the thing that sucks when i see these things i have like a shirt that has like a it's one of my buddies sam talent a comedian he, he has a, some merch and it has an upside down cross on it and i was wearing it in texas recently and just like the fact that i was wearing a i have purple hair and a shaved head and tattoos and i have this upside down cross on my shirt like people were legitimately treating me like i was a terrible person mm-hmm. like and i'm a very nice lady i listen to me i talk like a mom like i'm a very nice lady and i'm being polite and just like walking around the store and people in texas were like just frowning like they didn't want me in their store like you who would question you being a nice lady you just risked your life for a cell phone charger i did I just mean, risk my life for a cell phone you're good charger. dude you don't have to sell it wear your up down uh, upside down church and that wasn't even your cell phone charger no it that was, was a stranger it was a, a hypothetical minister's cell phone charger yeah dude we want everybody to stay connected <laughs> Who will like my Instagram photos if his phone dies? <laughs> <laughs> you just made it selfish. You just I did. made it I'm a bad sorry. person. Damn it. Damn just it. Made it a bad I was a really good person for a while. Even if you don't like what somebody else is into, I mean, it's the equivalent of somebody coming and like torching one of our shows. Yeah, like it just doesn't it's not it's it doesn't it's not fair. Yeah, if if you want to get along and you want to be a good human, then allow Allow people to have things that are sacred that make their lives easy. Anyways, this guy, he's going to go to jail. And according to Burn God, he's going to get laid by either his stepmom <laughs> or someone when he's 13. So, Well, I hope he has $1.50 to pay for that call because if he doesn't, he's not getting laid. <laughs> 1-800-COLLECT still a thing? <laughs> no. No, it's not? When did, when did 1-800-COLLECT go out of business? <laughs> when people stop using landlines. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just want you guys to know, because you can't see, but I just saw on Pete's face that he didn't know people stopped using no, landlines. What you saw on Pete's face is that, like, shit, if my cell phone don't work and I'm in an emergency, I was always going to call 1-800-COLLECT, and I can't do that anymore, you're no, saying. You what can't. Do, how, what? Do I, how, do I, how do I get in hold of someone? Why don't you call 911? <laughs> it's, never that, it's never that intense. It's never that real, Jaws. It's ridiculous. <laughs> if I'm stabbed, I'll call 411. I'll okay, be like, I right. just need glue, guys. You're get over call here. 411? Yeah, You're going to call information? I'm just going to call. <laughs> I just need glue. This I don't, I don't need cops here. I don't need all this problem. I just need some hot glue. I got stabbed. Hello, this is information. You say you've been stabbed. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. what? I'm just saying, I figure things out before. 911, they're busy. That's for real shit. Okay. I'm not calling all right, them. Fair. I'm not calling them. Well, I, knew, I knew somebody that would call 911 at a grocery store. Someone stole ramen from a grocery store. I'm one like, one, no one in, 1 collect. If you're out there, you have an investor <laughs> who's happy to bring you back into the fold. You just lied. I'm not. I'm not investing. <laughs> no damn collect call company. <laughs> anyway, so next story, guys. Got really excited about this story. Okay, I'll tell you why I got really excited about this story because it's a ludicrous story. But David Hasselhoff. By the way, I've never heard a song he's ever done in his life. Just letting you know. But we know he's huge in Germany, and he we believe he is a pop singer. But this is a quote he said about his next record that's coming out. I'm doing some heavy metal songs on my new album. Why not? I do not have an album title yet, but it should read, Everything is Allowed. I do everything because I can, because I want to. I like Iron Maiden and Metallica. That's the kind of music I like to hear. Let me say why I got excited. If there ever was a TV show that needs a heavy metal concept record, what is it, Jaws? It is Knight Rider. Damn right. Yeah. And who is David Hasselhoff? 
He was the guy that rode him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I thought that was implied when we brought up Knight Rider. But. He was the rider of Knight. I mean, come on. Can you picture like a, a music video with like Knight Rider and then there's like three inches of blood type like metal riffs in the background? Just like. He can. if it, Dude, Josta did D. Snyder's record last year for The Love of Metal, which was amazing. If Josta takes the Knight Rider concept and gets Hasselhoff in there, this thing. Will will fucking sell. Although, I will buy it. I do. If it's want, a Knight Rider concert. I do want to point out that Hasselhoff said that he was going to make metal music because why not? And I find that offensive <laughs> because metal is not something you why not. It's not something why. It's not mm. yoga. It's not like you get into it because you love it. It's not, <laughs> I'm going to make this metal record. Namaste. Yeah, it's like why not? What is why not? Like because why not? I'm Hasselhoff. He's insane. Dude, he's totally insane. He's an insane. Person. I don't know how old he is. I think it said in the article he's sixty something. No, he's not a thousand. One hundred and seventy-two years. He's a warlock. Yeah. He's like sixty something. So <laughs> I would think that at sixty, metal's harder. That's just my what I think. It's yeah. just not easier to do unless you've been doing it your whole life. But yeah. I'll tell you right now, man. If if he did a Night Rider concept metal record, I would buy it. Um, I would totally at least listen to it. I'm not gonna say buy. Okay, it. all right, <laughs> that's fair. I'm not gonna say buy it either. But that, but that also gives me an opportunity to maybe interview him. Which Ooh. would be like the most exciting thing ever to me. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, if, if, if David Hasselhoff was like some, a guest on this show, not a bucket list guy, but now that I think about it, maybe. Really? Maybe. What, what questions would you ask him? I would just ask him, dude, I don't have anything. I never watched Baywatch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw the still photos that mattered. You and there were a lot. but You point, literally only know Knight Rider. I so only know Knight Rider. As, as a kid, Knight Rider, dude, I'll tell you right now, that theme song, every time I say it, it goes through my head and I see that little, I had a little kick car. With the little light that went yeah. across the front? I had a little kick car, and it was uh, it was probably my favorite toy from the ages of like five to like eight. Like I love that car, and it was uh, it was black with a little red light on it. But then it all got chipped up, so it was totally gray because I would throw it down like slides and shit, you know, as a kid. But that car meant the world to me. It probably meant more to me than the actual show. <laughs> now in hindsight, so you actually want to interview the makers of Mattel toy cars? <laughs> That's what you want to interview. <laughs> Not David Hasselhoff. I would, I would bring up the story I just brought up to you to David Hasselhoff just for his reaction. He would not. He, wouldn't, he would not care at all. He wouldn't understand. No. <laughs> Stay metal, Hasselhoff. Stay metal. Listen, he might prove us wrong. He might be a great metal musician. I'm always the one to say they might prove us wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to. It's going to be awful. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awful. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, what does a six-year-old think is metal compared to like what we think is I metal? I think it's going to sound like Tom Jones wandered into a Lamb of God concert. I think there's no going to be way, like dude. a track playing and then just like just a garbled old man just talking over the sound of metal music. <laughs> it's going to be as heavy as Judas Priest tops. No. Lamb yeah, of yeah, God. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, Lamb yeah. of God. You're yeah. going to hear like, I want to hear him cover Redneck and do that. Yeah. Oh, so that would bad. be great. It would be great. Be I awful. love it. Your, your jaws. But not in a good way i would love it ironically <laughs> next story jaws let's talk about your youth a little bit here. yeah yeah okay because i got this story that vince wrote um really caught me off guard to be honest with you because i go to a mall frequently out here in las vegas and uh, because they have this thing called a sea quest so i take my kid there he gets to feed fishes and it's in an actual mall called the boulevard out here but i mean to say the mall is dead is an understatement there's it it, it probably holds legitimately 300 stores and there's probably 40 stores in there well and there's like seven in that mall there's like seven things like sequest that are just like things to go do. to go do that yeah. without selling so but the one store that's never changed in that mall ever is the hot topic yeah. and i always walk by and i see a bunch of people in there and i'm like is that store still legit i still shop at hot topic dude vince just said that hot topic is not dead it is thriving says the new york times and jaws since you still shop there 
Tell us why, because I remember it being a bastion of new metal and then the uh, AFI-type punk rock that was going up. So I felt like maybe Black Veil Brides, after that band got popular, <laughs> Hot Topic should have tanked. I think that was the end of their era, in my mind. Yeah, I know, I know. The Black just, Veil Brides was it for Hot every Topic. Every time I hear Black Veil Brides, I just see like spiky hair and like that, that haircut is terrible. Here's the thing with Hot Topic. Mm. When we were growing up, or when I was growing up, it was like the place we went to go get records. Uh, right that you can't yeah, get in mainstream places there. it was the place we'd go get band tees it was the place we'd go to get body jewelry that was a little bit more affordable mm-hmm. than yeah they always had really affordable body jewelry okay. um and then you'd go there to get like fun kitschy gifts and hair dye and stuff to you know the alternative lifestyle stuff right that was your one-stop shop but now they've kind of latched onto a whole new thing where it's perfect for I'm like, people who don't know me or follow me on Instagram don't know that I'm like a huge nerd. My house is decorated in nerd memorabilia. I love nerd stuff. My For my fiance and I's wedding for our save the date, we're having us cartooned by a professional cartoonist. Like we love cartoons and nerd shit. That's what Hot Topic figured out is that nerd shit sells, man. Because when you go in there now, they always have two different sections for the newest Marvel release. They have an entire Harry Potter section. Then when you want to find banties, you literally have to go to the, ent- the whole back of, it's behind the clearance section. Wow. Where the band are now. And, and I'll read something that was in this article. It says, in a 2018 report, the youth marketing research firm Ypulse found that Gen Z and millennial shoppers deemed Hot Topic the top retail destination for unique styles with Nike coming in second. Now, that's pretty amazing to me. And I do feel that culturally when I walk around and I see young people, I notice that um, – a couple things. A, they're totally out of shape, but they always have Harry Potter shirts and they have so Lord of the Rings shirts. And you <laughs> just judged an entire generation. <laughs> what? That is, what a weird... Okay, go on. Star Wars, okay, right? Yeah. All the all the Marvel yeah. Universe shit. Yeah. All That's all the same to me, but yes. they all have that and they have to be getting that from... Hot Topic. And Hot Topic is like, I got my Captain Marvel shirt there for the Captain yep. Marvel premiere. Like, you can guarantee that if there's a premiere coming up and you need a shirt, you can go there. Mm-hmm. Um, they have, like, <clears throat> weird anime stuff. They have, like, all the stuff that's for, like, really niche uh, fan bases. They have that stuff there, too. They have... Um, Why hasn't the internet killed it, though? Isn't there, like, a, a, a nerd internet, like, yeah, there's, euphorium? there's tons. But the thing is that the, I don't think... Um, I worked retail my whole life and I don't think the internet will ever be able to compete with the experience of the instant gratification of shopping. Mm. You have to wait for it to ship. It's a good point. So when you go there, you're like, oh, and last minute you want to go to the movies, you go grab a t-shirt if you want to match with all your friends or whatever. Plus they have like all the stuff that like young, young kids like, like they have cute little backpacks that look like Sailor Moon Cat or whatever, you know? Do they have CDs anymore or, or vinyl? I I'm did not see gone. any when yeah. I was there the I'm, last I'm time. I'm assuming it is, but yeah. Okay. Well, dude, I'm happy. I'm, this is like there's always that diamond story that shows that hey that experience still matters to someone like me and hot topic is obviously showing me that okay and all that stuff I apologize to Generation Z about my uh, you're out of shape comment but <clears throat> no he doesn't oh. every time I go in there they're they're not dead there's always people no, in I, there when I go in I there I walk by every other store whether it be Skechers or Bath and Body Works and it's it's you know you have employees kind of throwing soap at each other but in Hot Topic it's like there's a bunch of, of people in there well yeah. and they've even like stepped up their customer like it, when I was young like you would go and to- those stores are small so the rent's probably small those things are tiny bro I remember I remember going in and always running into people yeah you can't move around yeah. and like the people would never help you Back in the day, they would like they just like stare at you and frown. Now they're like customer service like oriented. Like you come in and they're like, "Welcome to Hot Topic. What can we help you find today?" And you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I don't think anyone's supposed to smile in Hot Topic, dude. Well, good job, Hot Topic. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Keep 
Keep it up, dude. Keep showing that malls still matter. And that was our financial mall corner. That was where we talk about. That's our financial mall corner. (laughs) Where we talk about smaller stores, more nerd shit. Malls. Bed, Bath, and Body Works. Get yourself some Avengers bed, soap. Bed, Bath, and Body Works. You just mixed two different stores. Oh, okay. <laughs> bed, Bath, and it's, it's Bath and Body Works or Bed, Bath, and Beyond. I apologize. <laughs> you know, talk- Skechers Nike, please. <laughs> talking's, talking's not Pete's strength. <laughs> nope. Nope, nope, nope. If you guys only knew how much editing it took. I've been begging you for an Ollie Herbert update for like... I know. Four I, weeks, and I, 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 I sometimes avoid these things. Yeah, and, and I wanted to avoid it this week, but since you called me out, let's let's talk about Ollie Herbert, guys. Ollie Herbert, as we all know, passed away uh, in October, and the story has been a shit show uh, in regards to his late wife Beth. From many, many different updates, which I, I highly recommend you guys go to metalsucks.net, look up any of these stories, and kind of catch up on that because we've been talking about it constantly. Well, this week there was kind of like a, a cool moment to wash away Beth and all the ugliness that might be behind what is deemed a suspicious death uh, by the cops and a recording of the cover song that he did with a band called A Dead Desire before his passing. He played guitar. He did a cover song of the Eurythmics, Here Comes the Rain Again. Fantastic song if you guys haven't heard the original, but also a very good cover and very cool to hear Ollie. Well, within, I want to say, in my mind, hours, Beth reached out to Facebook and stated to everybody that she never signed off on his song, that she's the executor of his estate, yada, yada, that this was released without her approval, all these things, and she got involved again, kind of putting a ugly thing over this song released in honor of Ollie's. I just feel like you wouldn't care if you didn't murder your husband. Mm. I feel like you wouldn't care if... Songs were being released months after he died. You would be grieving. You would be grieving somewhere in a bed, curled up in a ball, right? It's it's. Am I overestimating how I I I've learned from doing this podcast that my words have to be like real specific. The way you said, like, if you didn't murder your husband, <laughs> <laughs> I would have chosen a different route. If there wasn't some su- suspicious that you had some sort of right. you know cause with his uh, passing, if for some reason your your husband dies, and it could look like you might have done it, mm-hmm. I like that. Maybe you shouldn't be worried about money immediately after he dies. Mm. Mm. Maybe you shouldn't be concerned about you know uh, wh- who's releasing what without your permission when people. I'm not going to say who might think mm. that you might have something to do. People on podcasts, maybe a girl, maybe her <laughs> name starts with a J, thinks that you might have, you know, had something to do with this. You might not want to come out and be pretty vocal about this wonderful thing that his fans got to enjoy. On a scale, we're just going to do it. We're just going to do it. Because <laughs> you, you, you worded it perfectly. Love it. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, did Beth, in your opinion, with no evidence or knowledge truly of the case, did she have something to do with his death? Yes. On a scale of 1 to 10, the answer is yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. I forgot there was a scale. (laughs) (laughs) Seven. (laughs) 
All right. Six point three five. I that's a D. I was <laughs> I was gonna say at this point. I think I was more around four. I just think she's not a good person, and now I'm leaning at six. Yeah, yeah. I was. I honestly was I, at a I place where I'm like, six. I could still give her the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you never know. But now I'm at a place where I'm like, man, can you just like leave it alone for a second? Absolutely. Her actions are they're too strange. Here's a tip for any woman out there thinking of murdering your husband. Ooh, um, give him a tip, Joss. Uh, maybe after you murder them, number one. Don't complain that people think you murdered them. Mm-hmm. Number two, also don't look for how you can make money off their death. Yeah, and if uh, you need help, call 1-800-KILL-DUDE. <laughs> K-I-L. <laughs> this is from Pete's new company of 1-800-NUMBERS. 1-800-K-I-L-D-U-D-E. <laughs> Kill Dude. I think we have a bit for next week. <laughs> I don't know if this one hit this week, but we might. L- listen, tweet us. Listen. You know what? <laughs> Depending on a Beth story... We might. (laughs) Last thing I want to touch on. Fans have launched a petition to have the black hole named after Chris Cornell. Guys, sign this position. We need to have the black hole named after Chris Cornell. That would be so amazing and awesome that every time someone talked about that, the rest of their lives would be the Chris Cornell instead of black hole. So go to metalsucks.net. Find that article. Click on that petition. It's well worth your time. I know that you'll get bombarded with emails from change.org about everything else in the world. But it's worth it sometimes, okay? They eventually go to your junk mail. Trust me. I think that we should have this happen. I mean, this needs there's, to happen. A, there's a future where there's a there's a there's a like a, a scientist at NASA, and and the world is coming to an end, and he turns around all dramatic and takes his glasses off, and he goes, "If we don't hurry up, Chris Cornell will devour the whole Earth." <laughs> and I think that's funny. And then you just have you just have the riff from. <laughs> Outshot. <laughs> you just see the black hole coming? Yes. Yeah, right? Yes. It's pretty Why? metal. Iron Man can stop that. We, we, we got to do that. Okay, Iron Man's not real. <laughs> oh, this isn't in a movie. No, I was saying like in the real world wouldn't. No. wouldn't. <laughs> I, dude, I'll tell you something right now. I bet you the chance of Iron Man being real in like 20 years, very high. Like, yeah, I agree. All right. <laughs> we, we made a lot of poignant points about the world on this episode. <laughs> We're very smart people. <laughs> with that, guys, before we jump into my interview with Jordan Rudis, this month, Allegion will release their new album, Apoptosis, via Metal Blade Records. It's a near-perfect symbiosis of technical, progressive, and melodic death metal. It is a record that is as crushingly heavy as it is inventive and marks a significant leap forward in the band's songwriting. Purchase your copy of Apoptosis now at metalblade.com slash allegion. Once again, guys, metalblade.com slash allegion. And now let's jump into my interview with Jordan from Dream Theater. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Jordan Rudis. We're here to talk about the new solo record, Wired for Madness, which is coming out April 19th. And we also want to touch base on the new Dream Theater record that just was released, Distance Over Time. And you're currently touring North America through May 4th with Dream Theater, as we mentioned, celebrating 20 years of Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from a Memory. Lot to talk about today, Jordan. So let's start with the new solo record, man. Wired for Madness. It's coming out April 19th, but it's been four years since the Unforgotten Path. How has your musical presentation grown in that time between records? Well, um, let's see. You know, I'm very busy with my group Dream Theater, obviously. And whenever I do have a chance to, to uh, do other things, I always take advantage of it and do something musical. 
Um, you know, these projects like the, the Wired for Madness is a, was a huge project, very much like something like uh, my album's Rhythm of Time or Feeding the Wheel or even uh, The Road Home, uh, which was an album that was a, like a tribute album to my favorite progressive rock music. So part part of uh, what's been going on is uh, it's hard to find time to do something like that. The other part is that, yeah, there's definitely changes that happen in my life, in my in my uh, musical scope, if you will, through the years that uh, reflect in you know the work that I do. Um, the Unforgotten Path was purely a piano album, and that's a whole other side of my musicality that that I really like to express and feel the need to express as well. But really, very different than something like Wired for Madness. So, um, so yeah, so this album is more a continuation of my full-blown kind of like studio projects that are in the rock kind of progressive, whatever domain. Um, and yeah, this was, this was kind of like a real, you know, mind dump, if you will, of everything that's going on in it, just to, to like really let it out and share it with, uh, everybody. And I, and this one, uh, worked out in a way that, uh, you know, I was able to have some really great guests and I was able to find the time to do it the way I wanted to do it. And I'm very proud of it. And uh, what more than that, I mean, I've just, you know, always played a lot of different kinds of music. I grew up playing, you know, show tunes and movie track songs and movies and the piano and would always, uh, you know, entertain people whenever I had the chance playing whatever the hell came into my mind in whatever style. And enjoy, and enjoy, and I always played a lot. You know, I played ragtime music and on the piano, and I like that. And one of the one of the things. So yeah, so when I get so when I play with Dream Theater, when I do my solo thing, I like to I like to bring in you know things that make people smile and uh, you know change it up a little bit. I find sometimes when you're when you're presenting something really like serious, like you know, like uh, you know my own music or music with the group can can get very like you know very serious and. If you throw in some humor and something stylistically that's a little bit different, like a honky tonk part or a ragtime part or something big bandish, then it makes people smile and it almost relaxes them so they can continue to go for the ride with the more heavy stuff. Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly how I guess I feel or I see it is that it is like the big band style very much so. Now, one thing that I, I noticed that in both bands that ambiance can be, it's a tough thing for listeners sometimes to have that. But when do you feel it is a good way to present it in a song or in music? Yeah, I mean, like Dream Theater, you know, we're just, we are very open and we like a lot of different kinds of things. And, you know, if we take people on a little trip that's, uh, you know, in that kind of more spacey ambient kind of uh, domain, then, then we will, you know, I mean, you know, Dream Theater is partly a you know pro progressive rock band, and of course, partly a metal band. And um, if you think back to classic progressive rock albums like Close to the Edge or something like that, you'll you know you'll have these sections that it's like really floaty and really spacey and a bit extended. And we're kind of of the school of thought that that's okay to like stretch things out and let them breathe and go for a spacey ride. You know. Um, now, Wired for Madness, uh, it's not a concept record in its entirety, but the title track are kind of a concept. And then you did add a video, a really cool video with a visual representation with it. How important was that visual representation to tell the whole concept that you had when writing that song? Well, I was really excited about having that possibility of doing something visual like that because I think that with something that's so deep, you know, and involved musically, 
it's really helpful to have a visual, any kind of additional kind of like information or, you know, media to go along with it. So, um, yeah, I mean, the story, you know, like I, I'm somebody who, who really has an easy time actually of listening to music and not needing to focus on like, you know, their lyrics, not necessarily needing to know what the hell they're talking about, just kind of going with the sound of it and the energy of it. But I find that there's a lot of people who listen to music that almost need to have something like, you know, kind of more cerebral or, you know, something in the lyrics, something in a story to allow them to, uh, to get into it. So um, that's one of the reasons that I even developed uh, the story behind uh, the title track, Wired for Madness, because I felt like, okay, it's fine that I can, like, you know, go with the musical ride and that's it. But, you know what, let me, let me make it even, give it even more, like give it some more um, support or some more, uh, you know, media in this case, uh, you know, with the, with the video, but even with this whole story. So I, so I got into writing the piece at first just purely mu musically, and then as I started to write it a few minutes in, I was like, you know what, this is this is kind of an interesting ride and, and I could develop a story around this and, and that I would have fun with and maybe offer it to people. So as they're going for this musical ride, they could also kind of like think about this story and, and anything and, and everything that it kind of, uh, you know, uh, points to in our modern day lives. So, uh, you know, the story is basically about a guy who, um, who is who is um, starting to decline physically and mentally, and and uh, and he and he decides to have a procedure which would basically bring him kind of into a more computer-supported form. And it's not that far-fetched. I mean, you know, this is what's <laughs> this is kind of like where things are heading. Um, but in doing that, you know, we're not quite there where a human being can go become partly computerized. But uh, you know, in this story, that's what happens. And so the so the piece you know, you can kind of like ride through the various twists and turns of the piece and think about, you know, this, this, uh, uh, the story and the concept. And then visuals, like for me growing up as a fan of, of certain bands and music, when I see videos, it's like the visuals do get married to the song, like in your mind, you know, because you have a, a whole presentation and then say you see the song live, that comes part of it too. So there's a whole journey to the whole thing. Do you take that in consideration when making a music video? Um, well, yeah, I, first of all, I didn't even know when we first did it that we would do a mm -hmm. video for this, for that piece. I figured there'd be something, but because it's so long, I wasn't sure of the logistics of doing that. I happened to, uh, start to work with this guy whose name is Wayne Joyner, who is, uh, you know, kind of like really on top of this field, like doing lyric videos. And in my case, since there's a very short lyric bit within a 12 minute track, um, it's more like just a cool video, you know, video for the song. Um, so I wasn't thinking, I wasn't even thinking that that would even be, but when it, when the option came up, I was like, wow, this is really cool. We can help to kind of like, you know, bring people into the story and get them to really think about it through, through the use of these visuals. So very helpful stuff. Yeah, no, I, I love the video. I think everybody should definitely check it out, guys. If you haven't, it's Wired for Madness. Make sure you look it up. There's another song I do want to talk specifically on on the new record with you, and that's a blues song, if we can call it that. It's uh, it's called Ooh. Just Can't Win. Can you tell Ooh. us about creating that song? Oh, for sure. So when I signed uh, with Mascot, you know, um, I was excited to do that because they're an awesome label. But in addition to that, uh, they're like premier artist on the label, 
um, is Joe Bonamassa, who of course is a great guitar player and a wonderful blues player. And I was, I was excited because I love to play the blues and I've never really done it on an album before, but those who know me, like, you know, if you're, uh, a fly on the wall backstage before a dream theater concert or in my home, you know, I'm a lot of times I'm playing blues, you know? So it was, I was like, you know what, I'm going to ask Joe if he wants to do a blues track with me on this album. Cause we're like label mates now. So. I reached out to him and he was really happy to do it and he came through for me and played some cool solos on that track and it inspired me to not only write the song but also to uh, make it into a full production uh one where i have joe playing guitar and i've got a full brass ensemble playing real real brass and i'm um, singing and it's like you i you know you listen to it it's like it's like an all-out you know production on a blues tune of course you know there's a little rhythmic twist in it which makes it more jordany if you will uh, a little odd meter thrown in but it goes by pretty quick and it's fairly you know standard and there's some good soloing and uh you know i, I love to change it up and and uh and i can so so and so i did yes <laughs> so, and yes. it's it's a very catchy. It's a great tune, man. I, I love that song very much on the record. Be, you mentioned how much you enjoy the blues, and a lot of the the listeners out here in the Metal Sucks podcast, they, they you know they just listen to the metal world. But I always like to talk to guys about other genres of music. Um, mm. Is there someone in the blues catalog that you think would impress our listeners that they may not know about? Well, I always you know uh, as far as blues go, I I didn't I haven't listened to too much standard blues, mm. but I always was big fan of the winter brothers you know like johnny winter and edgar winter and uh, i loved you know kind of like the bluesy part of hendrix when he would just do a blues because that's kind of where he was coming from so um that's kind of like that's kind of the vibe that uh that i can relate to the most let's talk a little bit about the new dream theater record dude distance over sure. time absolutely killer record but you know it was following one of your guys' most um I don't want to say polarizing records, but it was a record that was a lot of risks were taken with the astonishing. Did, did that previous album influence the direction on distance over time? Um, well, let's see. So what happened with the astonishing was that we had decided that we really wanted to take, we really, really wanted to write something different. We wanted to, uh, do a concept album. We wanted it to be more like, uh, you know, um, a Broadway show or a movie or composing. It was very much like doing a movie soundtrack or something like, like that. Um, and, and John Petrucci and I wrote that album, uh, just kind of quietly, if you will, in a, you know, in a studio, we were sitting in a control room of a nice studio and working for, you know, a couple of months, just writing away and doing that. And it was, um, it was something that we just felt like after so many years, of having our career and delivering, you know, album after album for fans that we, that we deserve the right to be able to do it. And when we were doing it, you know, we don't live, uh, you know, in a, in a box somewhere like outside. We, we understood that it wasn't going to be necessarily for everybody, but we, <coughs> excuse me, we also wanted to create something that was really great and cool. So, um, that said, you know, we did it, we put it out, we're very proud of it to this day. If you ask me, you know, what my favorite dream theater music is, I would definitely 
point to that because I think compositionally it's some of our best work. Um, but, uh, you know, after putting it out, you're right. It was polarizing. And again, not that much of a surprise to us. We weren't in shock, like, oh, my God, certain people don't really like it. Um, because it was a little more sensitive, emotional. It had this, you know, somewhat stop and start here and there because it was telling a story and making those kind of turns within the story. So, but after doing that and, you know, kind of like getting that out of our creative systems, we, um, we felt that it was important to kind of, you know, re-energize the band as, as a group because again, John and I, um, you know, we wrote that album just in private kind of like, and then just showed it to the band. Uh, this time, you know, we really wanted to bring back the group energy and get everybody's spirit back into it and involved. Uh, it was really important just for the group dynamic, I think. Um, so we went into this, you know, with a new label as well, the amazingly great, uh, inside out Sony label, who's been really supportive of us and just wonderful. Um, and so uh, with all those, you know, with all those parameters, getting everybody together and deciding to go and like, you know, like go upstate New York and kind of like live together for a while and just create this album. It was, uh, it was kind of like a natural thing to do to come out of the astonishing, to bring everybody back together and do this more kind of core, almost like root level dream theater, you know, rock album, if you will. So, um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where it came from. And now when you guys did do the astonishing, you, you toured it and played it in its entirety at select shows, I believe one tour. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Yeah. And how nerve wracking was that tour and shows for you? Because there was so much going on. Did you guys feel like you nailed it every night or was there a lot of parts that were a little scary for you? Um, yeah, that was a tremendous production. It was probably yes. our biggest production to date, although I will say that our show that we're touring with right now is a pretty cool big production as well, but not as not as media like intense as far as just the whole thing. Um, so you know it, it it took a while to put together, but after we got we got into it and you know, we never have enough rehearsals before the first show, but you know, after we had a few shows under our back you know, then we started to really flow with it and it was dialed in super tight. So we were, you know, so we got into a pattern of just really being able to pull this work off. And, uh, you know, and what's interesting is that for those of you who uh, got out to see it, I mean, I hope you really remember it because unfortunately there was never any kind of a, um, uh, you know, a live concert uh, movie made of that. We oh. usually, we usually do that, you know, with uh, our tours, we usually end up, but this one, we kind of had to let go of because, you know, it was uh, it was a big show and it was polarizing and it was just time to let that go and go, you know, go on and get back to our catalog stuff and uh, uh, just to keep things flowing, you know. And sometimes, yeah. as you know, sometimes it takes years, you know, for people to grasp, you know, when, when, when there's a change. So. Um, that's one of those things that I, I truly, I wish it was captured on DVD, I guess is, is, yeah. Where and I, and, and I agree. I mean like that kind of album that was so, such a kind of like, I don't know, it wasn't a huge departure, but it was somewhat a departure from the usual kind of, uh, dream theater sound. I mean that, that kind of thing I think does take time to, uh, to, you know, I think uh, what I'm trying to say is that in five or ten years, I think it will see how it fits into the grand scheme of things and where people play place that in their minds. It's, uh, it's, it was so different and it's such a big work and I think it just needs time. 
Absolutely. And in five and 10 years, if we do all get on that same page, there might be another tour. I'm just saying. I'm just in my mind. No. <laughs> you never know. So. It'd be a whole lot of work, but anything's possible, anything's, right? Exactly. But I want to talk about the current tour because uh, Metropolis uh, Part 2, Scenes from Our Memories, is a landmark record for all of us fans of Dream <clears throat> Theater. And you're currently em- embarking on that 20th anniversary, as we talked about. And this was the first record that you actually joined uh, Dream Theater on, if I'm not mistaken. So right. how right. special is commemorating not just the album, but the record to you, the first one that you were a part of for a 20th anniversary? Um, yeah, really, this is this is an amazing tour for me because it celebrates the 20 year, well, pretty much 21 years, but 20 year mark of my being in this band um, and on also this, you know, pivotal album that was is such an important album Uh you know, to the band and to the fans and, and to a certain extent to the, you know, concept albums in the history, the history of rock. So uh, all together, it just makes for a very uh, kind of uplifting, unique, exciting uh, tour. Everybody, you know, the, tour, the shows are selling out everywhere and everybody's really enthusiastic and it's, it's just a lot of energy around us right now, which is very cool and fun. Absolutely. So real quick, last last couple of questions. The first, I just want to ask you, is there any other record that you would want to perform in its entirety from your tenure with Dream Theater after this one? Oh, um, I don't know. I'm not, a, I don't have any like absolute need to play, you know, another record in, in its entirety. So on that level, I'll just say, you know, not really. You know, if it happens, happens that it's a good business decision or uh to do that or like you know we think about it and it would be a whole lot of fun then sure i mean maybe yeah yeah it's definitely possible i mean it's a band that has this huge catalog you know so uh it's it's very possible that at some point we might decide to do one of the other ones I said, when I'm thinking about it now, quite honestly, I'm thinking about all the work that it takes to pull this off. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'll tell you a funny story. Like I was, uh, I was in my studio thinking about doing scenes, scenes from a memory, and trying to organize my head around all the different kinds of sounds I used. And I was thinking, well, where are they? Like, because I, you know, I program this stuff on synthesizers, and I have files, and all this gets there. You know, like I'm kind of in a in a computer. Uh, you know, space as far as like, you know, the sounds and, and, uh, you know, all the data. So I realized that, that the last time I had played some of the scene stuff was many years ago when I was using an older keyboard called a Korg Oasis. And so I said, Oh, okay, well, I'll go, I'll lift them off the Korg Oasis hard drive and I'll transfer them to my Kronos, which is the new Korg thing that I use. Uh, so, um, when I went to transfer the sounds, I turned on the Oasis in my studio and I heard this terrible ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk sound coming from the drive and it just died. The drive just died. So uh, I couldn't get any of the sounds off of that. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, like I need to I need to find these sounds. Otherwise, I'm going to just be sitting here like programming and like trying to, you know, recreate something that worked that I a lot of work that I already did. So, um, so that's kind of like one, you know, from my point of view, that's one of the things that goes into like recreating and, you know, redoing an album in its entirety is like, how do you, where all the sounds come from? Like, where are all the sound effects? Where are all the keyboard sounds? You know, all these orchestral things I played, all these choir sounds, all these crazy things. So it's there, you know, it's a, it's a huge job, not only for me, but for everybody in their own world. 
Um, and, and so it does take a lot. So when you ask me that, I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> do I want to do that again? <laughs> so you yeah. ha- did you have to recreate everything or did you find something that would, that helped you out with the, with the Metropolis tour? Yeah, I, I actually, I, you know, I just poured over my drives and all the different backup drives and like kind of found a bunch of things. So I was able to resurrect uh, a bunch of stuff, but of course it was some stuff that I needed to redo. Huge project, but the good part of it is that when I went and I put all, when I, even with the stuff that I found, when I went back and I put them into my keyboard, I had another chance to tweak everything again. So meaning basically like I would listen to like the string sounds I used or whatever. And from all my experience, you know, I did that album 20 years ago. So from my experience to this date, I was able to go, you know what, that could be a little bit better. So maybe I used a different string sound or I used it or I EQ'd it some, maybe a little brighter or just to do things to, to bring it even to another level, having another chance to think about it all. So I feel really like, wow, you know, we were able to kind of up the, you know, up the sound of scenes from, from a memory, uh, even from the album and from the last time that we played it live. So I think it sounds even better. Nice, dude. That's that's excellent news. So, uh, just one last question, Jordan, before I let you go. But that's that. I love the journey stories. I love it's like, all right, here's the problem, here's the solution, and then it's a better, yeah, it's right. a better solution. It's, it always seems to work out that way. I, I feel. Yeah. Um, totally. But uh, I just want to remind everybody real quick before I get to the last question, guys, is that new solo album, guys, Wired for Madness. Make sure you guys pre-order it. April nineteenth, it's coming out. It's just yeah. a great time. Make sure you check it out. If you guys haven't yet, Distance Over Time needs to be in your stereo, wherever you listen to it, if it's headphones or not. It's an excellent record. Um, really tight, really just focused record, but just just a, a great Dream Theater record, like like everything. And then the last question I wanted to ask you, man, just being a creative person, and it's a life's journey for many people. What stage in your life did you know it was a necessity for you? Um, well, I started playing the piano when I was seven years old. I was taking lessons. Um, <clears throat> what happened was, to, to make a long story short, um, I was in the second grade classroom playing the piano, and my teacher called home to my mother and said, hey, Jordan's playing the piano so well. Just want to tell you, so nice to hear his music there. <clears throat> and my mother said, well, what are you talking about? He doesn't play the piano. And the teacher was like, well, yes, he does. He plays in class. My mother said, well, we don't have a piano. So and she, at first she didn't even believe that the teacher had called the right parent. But then after chatting for a while, she decided to hang up the phone and go buy a piano. So uh, it started a path uh, of creativity and of passion for me right there and then, from the first time I played the piano. And I went to Juilliard when I was very young. I started when I was nine studying classical music. And I was being groomed to be a classical pianist, but of course always, you know, running into practice rooms down the hallway to play blues or boogie woogie or later years to play like progressive stuff on the side. And so, um, but I was, you know, from day one, basically, I was always in this creative space and I haven't really left it ever since. Nice, dude. I like that. It sounds like a comfort. I think a lot of people have that and it's so important to, uh, to just the journey for us, you know, as we go through life. So, but I just want to tell you, man, Jordan, been a fan for such a long time, dude. I'm so glad that I got to chat with you. And uh, I want to thank you so much, dude, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Awesome. Thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. Our brain is a gateway to the spirit realm. Well, we're in town.
Seattle Sucks Podcast.
Metal Sucks podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard, guys, is off Jordan Rudis' new record, Wired for Madness, which is coming out April 19th. That's the closing track. It is called Why I Dream. Make sure you go out and check out the lyric video for that as well. And make sure you check out for the Wired for Madness video that he put out a little while ago. We talked about it in the interview. Next song, guys, I gave you two songs off the new Dream Theater record. First one is Fall Into the Light. The second one is Paralyzed. Love this record. It's a killer record, man. Anybody that hasn't got into Dream Theater, make sure you start right here and go backwards. Just one of the, the, the staple bands if you're into progressive rock and metal. And they really knocked it out of the park with Distance Over Time. And like I said, that one is out right now. And with that, guys, I want to thank you all once again for all your support. Your five-star reviews mean the world to us. We really, truly appreciate that. Everybody that's supporting our other podcast, Rise to Offend, thank you so much. This week, we are tackling the story of Wendy O. Williams. So anybody that is into punk rock or wants to know this story, make sure you venture on over and find that podcast. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.